I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Big time win. Big time win. Big scoring, big plays, big performances. The, the young guys, man, I mean, we were calling for this on Wednesday's episode. We wanted a little bit of experimentation with that bench unit. Obviously, Brad Stevens was listening. Let's not put it down to Kemba Walker not playing and obviously the rotations get moved there. No, Brad Stevens listened and we never got no Tremont Waters. Do you know what? I'm cool with that because Romeo Langford and Robert Williams really played well. I'm joined by the usual cast of Mr. Wayne Breezy Brown and Tim Shields and we're going to be diving into what we saw. How are you guys doing on this fine Friday morning? Soaking in the sun, man. <laughs> I'm soaking in that victory, man. Because that wasn't just a win, you know what I'm saying? That was like a... A decimation? Yeah, it was, it was a, a decapitate. We're going we're gonna, to... You guys are not going to clinch on this night. That's, that's what the Celtics said. And it just went back to... Remember Levert just getting that 51-point game like in the fourth quarter? They nipped that in the bud. Like they, they said that's never going to happen on their watch ever again. And even though he had a pretty decent game and finished well... Um, it definitely wasn't 51 to where he took over a game and just, you know, emancipated the Celtics, you know, just said, I'm, we're going to get rid of you. Now the Celtics came out with a game plan and they pretty much went forth with it. Yeah. And one of the things that stuck out to me, and I've put this in my analysis article for Celtics blog, actually, which you would have read by the time this episode drops was during the ESPN broadcast, Van Gundy mentioned the fact that Jarrett Allen has been playing so well because he's kind of, grown into his identity on the floor. He knows he's just a rim-running big that's going to catch lobs and going to do work down on the low post. And then you look at Rob Williams and the way he played and the way he conducted his post-game interview. That dude looks like he's growing into his identity too. He'll be a rim-running big that can facilitate out of the short roll that will be a lob threat on half-court sets and transition. I was like, dude, man, Rob Williams really impressed me. That mid-range shot, I know we spoke about this recently, so I don't want to get back into it too much, but it just looks so smooth, so money. I'd like to see a quicker release on it, but definitely it's trending in the right direction. There was one play that was really cool where Marcus Smart was bringing it up, and Smart was at the top of the key, and Gordon Hayward was like underneath, and he was in the paint. And he ended up sealing out his guy. And what ended up happening was is Rob Williams went around Hayward with his screen. And Rob Williams' cover got caught up in that screen. And then they set up for this wicked sweet lob dunk to Rob. And it, it just seems like he's picking up things so much faster. Defensively, there's still a little bit to be done. But the fact that he's going through and he's able to function in the offense in those kind of situations – he's always going to have a role with that kind of way. If he's always a lob threat, he's always trying to cut to the hoop. He's reading the situation. Like, that's big. And also, I want to give kudos to Gordon Hayward because he had a rough night in terms from the field, but he was doing everything else so well. And he was also – I think he – let me just double-check and make sure. Yeah, he led the team in free throw. Yeah, he seven or eight from the line. And he was a plus 30 on the night in a night where he shot five for 15 from the field and one for four from three. So the fact that he wasn't having a great shooting night, but still managed to impact the game in a really positive way. That's big, man. That's big. Yeah. It, well, man, 
it was just it was just amazing to watch Rob Williams like come out of his own shell, you know. And we kept saying, put him in the game, put him in the game. If if you put Rob Williams in the game, there's one thing you're always gonna get, and that's a burst of energy. And sometimes, you know, that's better than points. It's better than you know wh- whatever. It's because it just it just gives the defense it makes the defense focus a little bit differently. Um, when they have to figure out how to attack Rob Williams, because when Marcus Smart is on the floor with Rob Williams, I mean, did you watch every possession? Like Marcus Smart was going lob city every possession. Every time he brought the ball up, it was like, yo, pick, pick, pick and roll at the top, roll down to the bottom, ball will be there, catch it, dunk it, do what you got to do at and finish at the rim. Like it happened at least four times in a row. I mean, one of those times it was unsuccessful, but that was something that we were seeing which just let me know, like, Marcus Smart's game. Like, he is a great ball handler when it comes to, like, dictating what's going to happen on the offense. I mean, he's he's probably, like, the best. Like, this is why a guy like that can't foul out. When I say ball handling, I'm not talking about dribble, 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 you know, get around. No, I'm talking about creating a play. I know Gordon Haywood is definitely a great playmaker, but just watching Marcus Smart, I mean, he led the game with assists, if I'm not mistaken. He had six assists uh, for 12 points with 12 points. But Marcus Smart didn't have – I mean, he had a couple of a couple of good th- big threes in this game. And I know the Celtics were leading pretty much – they led the whole game. But um, it, it was just it was just important to see, you know, Rob Williams come into his own skin and how comfortable he felt – when Marcus Smart was on the floor, as well as the other young guys. So let's we that's something we need to break down. Like he played really well with those guys. Tim, I am with you on the defensive side. There's still a lot of miscommunications. There's still a lot of missed assignments. He's not really good at rotating on the defense. And I think that's why we don't see Rob Williams a lot. I said, we said in our last uh, broadcast, in our last podcast, we said that expect to see the surgence of the young guys against the less inferior teams, right? Um, because you're going to see you, – we're, we're going to need to see minutes so that they can develop. And you're going – I think we're going to see Marcus Smart rotate because Canner has his role. Tice has his role. It's time to include the lob, the lob, you know, lob time lord. It's time to include him into this offense because he brings a burst of energy off that bench and he can get you some easy points. And man, the jump shot looks weird, but it's, it's smooth when it goes in. Like it's just, it's wet. (laughs) So it was good to see Rob Williams get in there. And I can't wait to talk about more of the young guys that played in this game. So the one thing I did notice with Brooklyn was when Rob Williams first went into the game and then a second time, I think it was, I think it was early in the second half, was they went small simply because, and I feel like this was a counter to Rob Williams being on the floor. They know that Rob Williams generally bites on pump fakes. He generally fouls when he's in the rear view of guys going for blocks. So by going small, they're forcing him to guard higher up on the perimeter. They're putting him on guys like Kuruks that's going to either flash from free and drive or just try and fake him out and get the ball on an easy, um, sorry, get a dime on an easy cut once Rob Williams is airborne. Williams didn't fall for none of it. He played his role really solid, stayed stuck in front of guys, made sure he was hedging them the right way, protecting the basket without really having to push too far up out of the paint. 
that he countered what the Nets were trying to do to exploit his weaknesses exceptionally well. And that's a huge amount of growth from that young guy. If he can do that moving forwards and stop biting on those pump, fake, pump fakes and kind of counter a team's counter to him being on the floor, he's going to be a huge, huge asset. He had three blocks and a steal as well, in addition to five defensive rebounds. So he was doing a lot, especially when you look at just what we've seen from him so far and him not getting minutes and then all of a sudden throwing him into this game and him getting the minutes that he got. You know, at the end of the day, he had 18 minutes and he made the most of them. A, A lot of what I noticed, especially against the Nets team, is it wasn't, you didn't have one guy getting a ton of looks in terms of offensively. But, you know, Rob Williams going seven for seven from the field. And granted, a lot of those looks are lobs. But the fact is, is he's making the shots. He's making his impact on offense. He was four for four from the line. Free throws are going to be big, especially for a guy his size, because he's going to get hacked a lot if he gets near the rim. Just because the fact is you don't want to give up an easy bucket. So it's important for, I think, most big men to be able to hit free throws. But especially for him, because I think that was something that he had an issue with in, in school. So. Overall, I thought it was a really strong performance from the entirety of the Celtics roster, but I'm hoping, really, 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 really hoping that this gives an opportunity for Rob Williams to get more minutes just because at this point in time, you're rolling with what you've got, and I think you're better off trying to see where you're doing with Rob Williams and seeing where he's at in his development, the system, and seeing how he works within it as opposed to giving those minutes to Cantor because, one, you don't know if Cantor is going to stay after free agency, and two, we already know what we're getting defensively with Cantor. With Rob Williams, there's still room for improvement. He's so young, so athletic, and he's just an electric player. As, as Wayne said before, he's just a shot in the arm when it comes to energy. Yeah, I mean, for me, Cantor didn't play in this game simply because of matchups. He didn't suit the, the way he'd need to be used in defending Nets on Jarrett Allen or trying to guard on the perimeter in the way they were using Rob Williams. He just wouldn't have fit that style as well. And they didn't need him on the offensive glass. Shots were falling. So his his role on that team was effectively null and void for that game. And that's fine. You have a guy like Cantor for when shots aren't falling and you need someone to mop up. What I would be kind of cautious about is expecting Rob Williams to get 18 minutes a game regularly. I don't think that's going to be something that happens right away. I expect to see him a little bit more moving forward through the next few seeding games just because the dude played well enough to earn the minutes to show out again. I will be cautious, though, and say maybe it won't be 18 minutes, but I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a second opportunity against Toronto. But that's a far, far better team than what Brooklyn were and Brooklyn are at the moment. He's going to be going up against a lot more seasoned players. Yeah, and and that's where, that's where he's going to be tested. That's where his IQ is going to be tested. Uh, there, you may see some of the same game plan where they try to to, to to go small as well to try to get him to mess up. You know, not be able to rotate on those those shooters um, and try to get him into some type of foul trouble early. You know. I I think I I can't I I, I want to see that matchup though I want to see Rob Williams go against you know Serge Ibaka and Marcus All and like those bigs and hold his own because I still think you're gonna you know this is what you're gonna get from him on on bigs you're going to and 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 guys that come to the rim 
you're going to get block shots. That that's just something that he does. It, it's 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 one of those it's one of his superpowers. He just has a magnet of blocking shots. It doesn't matter who you are in the NBA. If you come into the rim, uh, into the paint, he is going to protect the rim and block your shot. I don't care what your name is. That's something that he does. But again, when you got bigs that can pull him out of the paint <laughs> and stretch the defense a little bit, that's where he's going to be attested. But I still think he's going to get, I, I think he'll get between 12 to 15 minutes against the Toronto Raptors, depending on how well he plays. And if he's playing well, you're, you're going to see him in the game. And that's what you want to see, just like you guys just stated, because you want to see him going down the stretch. You need his energy. You need his gameplay. Even if he doesn't have the greatest, you know, rotation on defense or, or whatnot, it would be cool to have a couple of those block shots. One of the issues that I do have with Time Lord or, or Robert Williams is his his rebounding isn't it, it's it's subpar. Like he missed a couple of rebounds, like balls that hit him in his hand, and then they ended up going out of bounds, or they ended up getting knocked out of his hand or whatnot. Like if he can secure some of those boards, you're definitely going to see his minutes elevate. That's where Canner was coming in. Canner was securing boards. He just like you said, it it just wasn't the matchup for him and. I think you'll see more Canner in the Toronto matchup. I, I, I do. But kudos to, to Rob Williams, man. What a great game. What a way to boost up his confidence. What a way to get his shots off. Shooting middies. Um, I don't care if they're lobs, Tim. I don't care if they're lobs, uh, Adam. Just finish. Score. I, however you do it, you do it. No one complains about DeAndre Jordan when he was in Los Angeles just catching lobs all day, every day. Like no, he they called it Lob City. No one complained about it. That was the only way he finished. There's something that Robert Williams is, that d- does better than DeAndre though, and that's shoot free throws. And if he can get to the line and hit those free throws, that's another uh, elevation to his game, which you guys talked about. So we're going to shoot over to break. When we come back, I definitely want to take a look at Romeo's game because I was super impressed with Romeo. Talk about defense. Talk about locking up your man, rotating correctly, playing your role, finding your spots, making sure that you're where you need to be regardless of if the ball's making its way to you. Romeo Langford clocked the most minutes out of anyone off the bench. He did so, according to Brad Stevens as well, during the post-game presser, because his defense is good enough to afford him time on the floor. Romeo locked guys up. He was super active, got two blocks, a few rebounds. His scoring still needs work, but that's not his role at the moment. He's coming in and giving the team what they were hoping Shemi Ojale would. Not the three-point shooting, but more the perimeter defense to being able to contend with guys getting underneath them, getting strips. Romeo, to me, is going to be the the rookie out of the group that's currently on that roster that, besides Grant Williams, I should preface that, sorry, that besides Grant Williams will get minutes in the playoffs. It might be spot minutes, it might be matchup dependent, but you will see Romeo throughout these playoffs. Hugely impressive game from that dude. And it also just goes to show a little bit of growth for him, right? So for a long period of time, I've I've spoken about it before on previous episodes. Just why draft a guy in the lottery if you're not going to give him minutes? And for Romeo, I'm just so happy that he's finally getting minutes where he can contribute. 
I was really upset we didn't see him the other day in the other game against the Heat. I really want him to get more minutes. And I feel like, especially from what we've seen defensively, where I don't think a lot of people expected him to get to that point defensively as much as he did. But right now he's playable on that defense alone, as you said, Adam. He's bringing a spark plug. He's bringing energy. He's getting in his spots. He's doing what he needs to do to stay in front of his man. If he gets knocked down or if he gets, you know, hit on a screen or something, he gets right back up and he's jumping up and making a contest. He did that in that Houston game or that scrimmage rather against Houston. There's just a lot of his game that is just exactly what the Celtics need off the bench. And I'm hoping that they keep giving him minutes because at this point in time, him being added to that young core with Jalen and Jason being here long-term, it's good to have another person added to that equation, another player that you could potentially include in here. And I just hope that they can continue to let him build off of that because it's really just, that's the one way he's going to get better. And it's the same thing with Time Lord. You have to give them minutes if you want them to improve, saying, oh, they're not doing what they need to be doing. Well, the only way they're going to get better is if you give them minutes, you give them reps, it gives them a chance to earn their stripes. You, you have to give them that opportunity. And it's not like all of those guys look lost out there. And I think with specifically with Romeo Langford, considering that he was really advertised as a scorer, even though he came in with a hand issue, he played that entire last year in college with what, like a fractured hand? or some ligament issue with his hand. I just, there's so much more potential it there. Fun. It was his thumb, right? And I just, with that being said, I just think there's so much more to build off of there. And I want to give him minutes, man. I want to give him minutes over Wanamaker. Just because I know at the very least, he's going to do a lot of good stuff energy-wise on defense. I mean, they brought him into the game and he immediately made an impact on defense. Immediately forced a turnover. Like, Huge. That's one of the things that I want Brad to just do more, man. If it ain't working, man, go to the bench, get the youth in the game. Because <laughs> worst case scenario, you're not going to go down by much more. Best case scenario, they're going to energize your team, get you back in this game, give some life to the starting unit. <laughs> like, that's what they do, you know. And I'm super excited to talk about Romeo Langford. Because I like the fact that he's he's grasping the he's grasp grasping the concept of being a lockdown defender. Now think about the guys that have come through the Boston system before Brad in the Doc the Doc Rivers era. Think about those guys and look how they developed into the shooter. Let, let's just go back to Tony Allen, right? Then let's go let's go to uh um oh my gosh Avery Bradley. Okay, now, Terry Rozier, all right, and now let's transcend into, and I'm probably missing some guys, and it's okay. But You're missing your boy Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart has just always been great to me. So, like, like he's That's just scoring. He, he's, still, he's still not the scorer that you want to be, but. He, he was a slasher in college, I will say that. Could get to the bucket let's, and, fi and finish. Like, that's important. But Marcus Smart is learning that. That's not going to be my role for, for a while. He Put it like this. Marcus Smart has accepted that that's not going to be his role. His role is to make plays 
and and take take the wide open threes or or take a three when I when he's in transition or whatnot because he's trying to develop that shot. And I get what Marcus Smart does. It's because if his if his shot is hitting, man, everybody else is gonna have a great night. Why? Because the defense has to rotate on him. They're not gonna leave him wide open anymore. And that's what Marcus Smart is doing. He's trying. He's playing mind games, but. He is one of those guys, and I'm sorry for not naming Marcus Smart because you were probably the greatest, one of the greatest defenders of all time in Celtics history on ball, especially on ball, man. You just, I mean, everything he does is amazing. But this is where Romeo Langford is coming into play, and I just, I wanted to bring that out because his shots will fall. When? Uh, when he starts to just play more, get more into the fluidity of the game, get into the rotation, run into his spots, just shooting. I think a lot of his shots aren't falling simply because of just confidence you know it's just it's just not there oh yeah maybe i shouldn't take this shot i'll, I'll go ahead and pass it off boy that boy was playing under that rim yesterday though when he missed the shot at the rim and got his own rebound and took it on a two defenders still got the ball to go in they should have called the n one but they they didn't um that lets me know that romeo langford is nba ready to play every day and i just think that is going to happen you know when it when his time comes especially with the boston celtics because the hardest thing to do as a head coach is manage minutes man i mean when you got players that can just do a lot you want those players in there you want to give make sure they have their enough time to give them chances but like i said romeo got the call yesterday and let's be honest let's let's all be honest here right we knew someone was going to get minutes right because we knew kimball walker was going to be out but we all kept saying it's probably going to be brad wanamaker listen romeo linkford had 26 minutes he played 26 minutes he played more minutes than brad wanamaker at 21 and this is not a we're not going to down our players but listen man i i don't know how much longer brad is going to go with brad now he does give you he it's it's weird he'll turn the ball over three times in a row then hit a three so it's it's a it's an it's an un it's an awkward feeling man it's it's one of those melancholy things that ugh, we just gotta live with what he does he's a Brad Wanamaker, he's just like the ball handling is just like uh, I'm just gonna dribble it up and um I'm gonna let them take it from me and you're just like, what are you doing and those those type of plays could cost you like momentum swings and, and leads in games. So Brad's got to figure himself out. But Romeo, man, to get back to this kid, he is going to be a sure spot on this Celtics team going forward, especially with the, the surgeons of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Can't you see him being like that third, like just in, in that trio? Have you ever seen a trio of wings? Have we seen that before in the, in, in the NBA? A trio of wings, like like just three wings that can just do it all? I mean, the, probably the closest we got maybe was, at least from a Celtics fan perspective, at least the most recent memory, was probably when the Celtics had Paul Pierce, Antoine Walker, and yes. they had Iso Joe. Yeah. That, looking back, that is so frustrating on a side note. If we could I, just kept Joe in that equation. We had terrible GM management at that point. It's the same reason why we got rid of Chauncey, man. Oh, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like I need to defend Wanamaker real quick. He did go four for seven. It's he not did. just that. He had five assists. He yo, but he also had like three turnovers. One. He had one turnover. No way. No way. Okay. It, that's what the stats say. I can't argue with the stats, but I think they missed something. 
it could also just be a matter of how he looks when he's out there because there are times where he will just bring the ball up and he'll lose the dribble or he's the one who's initiating and you want him to move it because at the end of the day, we're not bringing him in to be a scorer, right? You're bringing him in to run the floor and to distribute the, the ball because that's what he's supposed to be doing. Then so, why pull up with the ball, look around, dribble, dribble, and then take the shot? But that's also, that's also like a big complaint that I've had with him. And I don't think – Look, like I will, I will get on him when he deserves it. And I, at some points, like I was like, why are we giving Wanamaker minutes? And then I was like, okay, well, Wanamaker made a good play there. Like I, I will give credence, you know, when it's due. I mean, he and, had two, two blocks as well. Yeah, I mean, he's two doing steals. what he needed to do. He don't had a good me, game last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't here. get me wrong. I'm all for, I'm all for parting ways with Wanamaker at the end of the season. Like I'll lead that entire fan club if you want. I'm completely fine with that. I feel like that he doesn't fit the timeline with the Celtics. He doesn't complement the other bench unit as good as what other players possibly could. However, he is a vet. I mean, he's played multiple years around Europe. He's got that European fundamental kind of style of play. He's just incredibly bore-huggedly greedy on fast breaks. And it makes me want to punch my TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I said it to you guys in the chat last night. I said, watching Brad Wanamaker play sometimes is like getting a root canal. Yeah. And it's because he just doesn't, there are some points where he just looks lost or he just bungles a possession and he just ends up losing the ball for no reason. And it just comes down to him losing the dribble. I mean, to preface this group chat, guys, everybody listening, I woke up to 38 messages in that group chat. (laughs) And the only one that showed on my phone, because everybody who uses WhatsApp will know that it shows you the latest message on your home screen, was, I don't think Adam's awake yet. I'm not sure if he even checks this chat before watching the game. I know he doesn't check Twitter. So I was like, well, I'm damn sure not checking this group chat until after the game now. (laughs) Because the whole time Tim and I are are communicating, we, we we know you're asleep, right? But... It's like I didn't realize that you didn't want. You're not. I keep forgetting that you're like 95 hours ahead or what or whatnot, and you didn't. You're not watching the game while we're watching the game. 95 so, hours. It was a late one, man. It was. It was not. It was at nine o'clock at night, so it was like 4 a.m. his time. So when Tim put that, oh, by the time the game's over, probably. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, he's about to wake up and watch the game. Let's shut up, and then it it immediately stopped, right? Because sometimes Tim and I just we just need confirmation from one another. Listen, we're brothers. We going back and forth on it. <laughs> what we saw if was what we saw and why is it what we saw like you know what i'm saying so like the third guy is missing and it's always you because you're knocked out but it's late we get it so my bad i mean i'm just a dampener on that group chat anyway because you guys will be talking and i'll be like well in terms of the scheme and in terms of the stats and when you're looking at this then really and then i'm like yo i'm dampening this group chat down so i'd rather come into so. it yeah i mean i'm turning come it from on, like man. a viewing experience to an analytical experience it completely changes the dynamic of the chat. You do go analytical, and then I stop responding for at least 20 more messages. Like, I, I got to catch up to what you're talking about. So I'm like, we're, talk- we're watching the game right now. Like, talk. But no, nah, it's really funny, man. It's really funny. And we, I will do better. I will do better in the group chat during a game. Like, I, I-, <laughs> I don't mind, man. Honestly, I don't check it until I've seen the game anywhere. Like, that yeah. was a 2 a.m. tip-off for me. And it, fi- it finished at, like, 4.30 a.m. So... Under no circumstances am I waking up at 2 a.m. 
to watch a game till 4.30 a.m. and then be either super happy or ridiculously annoyed and try and fall back to sleep because it's just not going to give me a good start to the next day. I'll watch it when I wake up. What about the Raptors, though, this Friday? I mean, what? that's the same, though, dude. It's a 2 a.m. tip. I know, but I'm like, so the same, it's the Raptors. <laughs> I don't care who it is. I'm watching it the following morning. If I'm awake, then that's different. But I have my routine. That's funny. All right, my my last thing on, on Wanamaker, because I, I, I definitely want to get this out. He just looks old with these guys, like his style of play. And it just doesn't seem... It just it just seems a little bit of old school coming from, you know, a typical point guard that would probably do the things that he's doing, right? But when we're talking about guys, you have you have all these scoring options. Even in the second unit, you want to see the younger guys get a chance or get an opportunity because we can't properly evaluate them if they don't get if they don't get to touch the ball. And when he brings the ball up, it's like he's trying to force the play ahead like so it's a bad pass or a low pass or a wide pass or a pass between Romeo Langford's legs which happened in the game prior or or something it's not that he's a bad player but when I get a when I get a tweet when I get a direct message saying who the hell is Brad Wanamaker and why is he getting so much time on the floor and my answer there's only one answer experience (laughs) like that that's the only answer I could give that's not, you know, negative because that's that's why he plays, guys. He plays because he's the experienced guy on the floor with the young guys. But I just want to touch on this one thing. Was it me or did I was I the only one that loved the way Coach Brad played all the young guys with one vet like one like experienced guy on the court like the first time it was Gordon Hayward so like Gordon Hayward was running with that that whole unit and nothing was skipping the beat and then I think the next time it was Jalen Brown running with that unit and nothing was skipping the beat like does that not deserve some type of credit or, or am I just looking for stuff no I feel like it deserves a little bit of credit I feel like there's only so many experienced players on the roster if, depending on how you're going to quantify experience whether it's years in the league or experiences like so you can either quantify experiences five and above years in the league. That's a general consensus of how you quantify experience. I quantify experiences. How deep in the playoffs have you been and how many times have you been deep in the playoffs? To me, that's far more valuable. If you're in the league for five years, but don't taste playoff basketball, but then you've got someone like Tatum and Brown that have been in the league four and three years respectively, and they've both gone deep into the playoffs multiple times. Who's actually more experienced at the two? And we could have this argument with DeMarcus Cousins because Cousins is a guy that hasn't really tasted playoff basketball. And when he did, it was for a few games before, unfortunately, he injured himself again. But he's got a ridiculously long tenure within the league compared to someone like Tatum. But is Tatum more experienced? Because Tatum's tasted conference finals atmosphere and conference finals pressure does that mold you differently as a player? So there's different ways of quantifying it. I want to actually have that conversation on the next episode, what quantifies experience. That'll be Sunday, Monday's episode now because it's a good point to touch on. Finally, in Wanamaker, I do feel like he's going to still be in the league next season. I feel like there'll be another team out there that kind of takes a look at him and brings him in as a veteran 
to run that second unit. He's by no means a starter in the NBA. I don't care how bad you are as a team. He should never be a starting guard in the NBA unless injuries make it so. I'm really intrigued by what you quantify. I'm, I'm going to put that out there. We're going to do this on Monday. Maybe we could do a poll, you know, and just get some feedback from from our fan base and see what they quantify and, and maybe talk a little bit about it on, on the next episode. Yeah, I'm going to brainstorm some content ideas for how we can approach it and get people involved. So, guys, make sure you're looking at Twitter. Make sure you're watching Celtics blog. I'm going to come up with a way that we can get some good responses and some good discussion points on this because it's a really good topic that I want to touch on. You will catch us again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the basketball. Hopefully the Celtics manage to survive the onslaught that is the Toronto Raptors. They should. I hope. Kemba Walker will be back. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, we're hoping to see some Kemba minutes. Hopefully we'll get some more Romeo, a sprinkling of Time Lord. I feel like Cantor probably is in a great matchup against Marcus Gasol, so that might force Brad's hand a little bit there. We will see. We will see. Until then, I'm going to go find myself something to do that isn't basketball-related for a few hours because, boy, have I been watching far too much. My wife is going to have something to say if I keep hugging the TV. <laughs> guys, we'll catch you again on Monday. Wayne, Tim, have a good weekend, guys. I'm sure you guys will be filling up my phone again tonight while I'm sleeping. <laughs> Cheers, man. Cheers, man. Cheers, man.